Welcome back, Brown Girls. Ashanti here, the founder of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, the one-stop shop podcast for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. As we continue with our collaboration with She the People, we are highlighting women from their 20 women of color to watch in 2020 list. These are all barrier-breaking women who are changing the political landscape this year and beyond. Today, we are highlighting one of the youth activists on the list, Catherine Quinton of the Students Learn, Students Vote Coalition. The Students Learn, Students Vote Coalition aims to increase nonpartisan student voting on college campuses across the country. With the COVID pandemic, we know that voting has been uprooted across the U.S., creating challenges for many but especially for college students that are no longer on their college campuses. We talked to Catherine about her work and why the youth vote will once again be critical in 2020. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Really excited to talk to you today and about the amazing work that you're doing. But first, tell us what inspired you to focus on youth organizing? So when I was in college, I went to I went to Florida State University and that was four hours from my hometown. So barely knew anyone. So as a lot of college students do, they join a club because they want to have friends. So I joined the Asian American Student Union. That's kind of how I got into just organizing in general. It's because like you learn how to organize a bunch of Asian Americans and I got radicalized while I was in college. And while I was doing that, I ended up joining a a regional board called the East Coast Asian American Student Union. And from there, like I got approached from my previous where I worked called Asian and Pacific Island American Vote. And they were like, you know how to student organize, don't you? I'm like, a little bit. And they're like, do you wanna work for us? And we'll teach you the voting stuff. And from there, I saw the connections between student organizing and social justice and voting, which I never saw before. And like how democratic engagement really is around creating collective power, learning your personal power. And that was like something that, you know, social justice revolves around. And so that's kind of how I fell in. It was a lot about like just wanting to make friends to recognizing the world's like not a great place. Let's see how we can make it better. Oh, you know, we have to do all of this political organizing to do that. Like, let's see how we can empower other uh, young people to be part of this process and ensure that they have a voice in this. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. So we were talking earlier, we're obviously in the age of the first, you know, pandemic breakout that really our generation has had to deal with. What does outreach and service work look like, especially for youth organizing in the world of Corona? We're all still trying to figure it out. Like at the SLSV Coalition, we're doing right now like a needs assessment where we're trying to fundraise like mini grants to help support all of our coalition partners and like what are the interim like tools and resources that you can use? Like, do you need to up your texting game? Do you need to do all these different things? So um, we're in the midst of trying to figure all of those pieces out. But what we've seen on campuses, there are over 30 state summits that were planned to happen, student democracy summits. So basically a convening of like young people and faculty staff and students talking about democratic engagement, a bunch of cool cats. Uh, and 12 happens before the shutdown. Um, and so we still had 18. And yet we're still, even though we can't meet physically, we have so many local leaders who are still planning all of these online convenings to still talk about like, what does voter engagement look like? You know, making sure everyone is still thinking about this work, making their vote plans, uh, making sure that they're updating their addresses. So like, if they want to know or still vote on their campus, they could still do that. There's a lot of movement right now about ensuring that even though college students 
may not be on campus right now, that they're still, their census is being filled out in the right place. So that's like a lot of movement that's going on there as well. So students who are living off campus, but went home, for example, should still fill out their census. There's a lot of movement in making sure that everyone is still counted, one, because <laughs> it's 2020, census is still happening. And then two, just thinking through about like, you know, we're in this time of uncertainty, how can we ensure that every student still has their vote plan in place for the primaries or the general? Oh, that is all so smart. Glad you're doing the work. And even that focus on the census, so super important. So we're hoping all of our listeners have filled out their census because they're great politically engaged people doing their civic duty. But a reminder to make sure you fill out your census. You know, one thing that I do want to talk about is you talked about getting started doing, you know, organizing in the Asian community right now, we're unfortunately seeing a lot of attacks against our Asian brothers and sisters. What are some of the ways that our listeners can help support the Asian community during this time? I haven't met a friend yet who has either themselves experienced it or a friend has experienced some sort of like hate towards them. There could be like mild things. Like for me, one time before we were shut down, me and my friends were going to the movies and this was just when things were picking up where this family of four, where two of them were in strollers, like they had toddlers. They like came in and we were going into the elevator, saw that we were going into the same elevator and then they decided to take the stairs. And I was like, you're gonna take the stairs with two strollers, good luck. <laughs> like Two like very serious things where people are like some of my friends are afraid to even go to the store to like go get groceries and stuff. And so I think if your question is, is around like how can other folks um, help and support if they have Asian American friends or Asian and Pacific Islander American friends who don't feel comfortable leaving their homes, like doing the whole like, let us know what kind of groceries you need. We'll like drop them off and help support. Like me and my friends do this whole like drop off our groceries at each of our houses so then we don't have to like all go grocery shopping at the same time. I'd also share with to your Asian American like listeners too. It's just like, this is also what other brown people have to deal with every single day. Like, so, you know, making sure that you're not just comparing yourselves about this like really unfortunate like moment for Asian Americans and saying like, woe is us where, there are brown and black folks who experience like this fear every single day in a different kind of way. So I think just as Asian Americans should stand in solidarity with black and brown folks for anything else and like police brutality and all of these other pieces, we hope that like black and brown communities can look at Asian Americans and like say like, hey dude, like this is not the China virus, right? Like this is not, you know, this isn't like, you know, some like the Asians are the ones who are, you know, perpetuating this, this, this disease, right? So I think just letting people know. Oh, thank you. And I really appreciate what you said about solidarity. And we're partnering this season with She the People and Diana, who is their political and organizing director. She wrote a really great blog piece for She the People about all the black and brown communities standing in solidarity together. And it was just so moving and great. It echoed a lot of what you said. So for our listeners, definitely go to the She the People website and check that out as well. So next, I want to dive into the work that you're doing at Students Learn, Students Vote. Can you tell us a little bit about why the organization was created and the work that you're doing there? 
a little bit about the SLSP Coalition. We're a network of hundreds of local leaders from local, state, and national nonprofits to colleges and universities, student groups, all of the people who are thinking about how can we increase student voter participation and democratic engagement on college campuses. So a little bit about our origin story. We started back in early 2016 with the reauthorization of the Higher Education Act. You may or may not know in the Higher Education Act, there's like this little provision that says campuses should put, quote unquote, a good faith effort into registering their students. And as you know, when you say good faith effort, that means absolutely nothing. And so thinking, so there was a coalition of some organizations um, who thought about like, let's see if we can expand this, not only to hold campuses a little bit more accountable to what good faith effort means, but also like what are resources campuses can get so then they can ensure that they can actually do that. And so unfortunately it didn't work out the way that we wanted it to in terms of getting the provisions we needed. But what we saw was that there wasn't a national space in which organizations and local leaders can come together to talk about what does increasing student voter participation look like. And so that's how the coalition was born. We had our four-year anniversary uh, two months ago. Um, and so it's been a really cool experience. We have nearly 400 organizations part of this movement. And the way that we really think about our work is just, uh, it's called the SLSV checklist. So it's four quick, easy steps that college campuses can adopt to think about not only voting and democratic engagement on big election years, quote unquote, uh, but thinking about how do you institutionalize this work? How can we ensure that we are growing voters every day and not every four years? So um, it's one, identify a local leader who's willing to take the charge. They should then create an on-campus voting coalition of different stakeholders across campus to think about how can we ask every single student their vote plan or their, or their democratic engagement plan if they're not eligible to vote. Get their student voting data because there's ways for campuses to get their voting data and then lastly create and implement a voting plan and so then they have like a north star and ultimately hopefully publicize it so anyone on campus can see what they're doing to increase voting on their campus as we get closer and closer to the 2020 election campaigns start to stretch their budgets to make every dollar count that's why it's so important to make a donation to the candidate or the cause you believe in at every stage in every race you can. And I always like to remind people, every dollar counts. It's really so true. Small dollar donors can make all the difference, which is why ActBlue's work is so important. ActBlue is a fundraising platform and nonprofit organization that makes it easy to give and to make your voice heard. They help thousands of democratic campaigns, progressive organizations, and nonprofits build people-powered movements. Small-dollar donors are more powerful than any mega-donor. If you're a candidate or organization ready to build your grassroots fundraising program, go to actbluesetup.com. Actblue's sponsorship of the Brown Girls Guide does not imply support for any candidate or committee. I really loved how you talked about making sure that you're intentional with students, young people about their plans. We're in the middle of the 2020 election cycle. We know that young people will once again be a key demographic, but despite everything that's going on, there still may be some young people who don't think that it's important to vote. So how do all of us just really create a culture that turns non-voters into voters? 
I feel like that's like the number one question we're always asked, like on campuses or individually or my parents, you know, like anyone asks me that question about like, how can we encourage more young people to vote? And I think it's also about framing how we talk to co college students and young people in general about, about voting, right? Like there's this really cool study called over, um, graduating students into voters, overcoming the psychological barriers faced by student voters. It's by our friends at Idea for, Ideas 42. And um, they really think, they thought, think of it in three different buckets on how can we really shift this language. One is just thinking of young people and students as new voters instead of like youth voters. And so like, if you ever rode a bike for the first time or try to, you know, all these people are like, selling out yeast, trying to make bread for the first time. Like it's, it's not easy. And so how do we expect young people who are voting for the first time to do it perfectly or know everything in the ins and outs? And so thinking about how are we supporting new voters in this process? I think the second piece of it is about identity, right? So instead of having students saying like, hey, you should vote, you should think about how can we make sure that they're feeling like they are an identity as a voter. And so like, when we message it to them, it's not like, hey, you should be voting for this, you should be voting for that. It should be like, hey, we wanna make sure that your voice is heard every single day, that you're um, a voter who's committed to doing this work every year. Um, and the third piece is just thinking about how sometimes young people don't see the the connection between the issues they care about and the democratic process. And so having them break that psychological distance between the two, so then they can say, oh, like I care about um, the environment. Oh, environmental changes could be done through policies, which is done by lawmakers, which is about voting. Seeing those connections and bridging those connections is super important. And so those are like three of the psychological barriers that we see when it comes to like encouraging students in terms of like tangibles, right? Like how do you get young people to vote or like how can you encourage someone to vote? I think my biggest, like if you can entertain it for a little bit, I have this kind of winded example. Um, so when I worked at API Vote, I worked with a bunch of Asian Americans all the time. And the number one thing we always like, I hear, they're like, oh, I care about representation in the media. And I'm like, all right, let's talk about that then, right? Like back when I was growing up, like the only Asians I saw in the media was like Mulan, Jackie Chan, which were not even Asian American. They were like Chinese, which is fine, that's cool. But there was not a lot of Asian American representation. And so, as I've gotten older, you're starting to see a lot of Asian Americans show up in the media, specifically like after 2016, like in 2018, there was something called Asian August where you had crazy rich Asians come out, like all of these, like, what is it called? To all the boys I loved before, uh, there's like searching or something. Like there were so many Asian American movies. So I was like, why is this the case? And so the MPAA or the Motion Picture Arts Associations released a study that Asian Americans were three times as likely to watch movies as like any of their counterparts. So we watched, like Asian Americans watched eight movies to white people's three movies. And I was like, I watch eight movies in a month. Like, <laughs> I was like, I see where you're coming from. And so I asked my students and I'm like, why do you think that's the case, right? And they were like, oh, I don't know. Like if you think that Asian, well, if there's Asian Americans going in the movies, then they're gonna cater to the Asian Americans. I'm like, exactly, right? So like if, Hollywood, they care about butts who are already in the seats. They're not going out and going, hey, I care about this 
you know, demographic who's not in the seats, like hopefully they'll come to my movies. They're already, they're talking about who's already in the seats. How do we keep them in the seats? And that's the same thing about Congress or anything, right? Like they're only caring about the people whose butts are already in the seats. So it's not about who you vote for. And it's not about like, like who's your candidate. It's about saying, Hey, I care about myself and the communities I represent, and I'm going to show up for the communities I represent and to show that I care about it because my butt is in this seat. You better listen to me. And so that's like the story I always give my students when like I talk about like, why should you vote? Yes, that was great. And I didn't know those numbers about movies. That's crazy. I think most people are watching a lot of movies now. If you're fortunate enough to be working from home and safe at home, definitely lots of movies being watched. And for me, it's also a really good argument about why we need to fund the arts, because that's always the first thing that people want to cut. But it's actually artists that are getting us through this time. So there's that as well. Your organization is doing great work. What are some of the ways that we can support you? There are a couple of ways. I think of it in a couple of different buckets. One of them is individually. What can you do as an individual to, to support this work? I think the biggest piece is like, think about all of the students in your network. Is it your daughter? Is it your friend? Is it your sister or your brother or your sibling? Think about making sure that they have their vote plan, right? If they were living on campus and now living at home, making sure that they have the right tools and resources to do that. Um, there are these amazing uh, student voter guides from the Campus Vote Project that you can definitely look up if you want to know more about like making sure that your vote plan is ready. Institutionally, there are a couple of different things um, that you can do to support. One of them is just awareness. There are some, so many programs right now that are talking about bridging the gap of access, so making sure that students have the ability to vote, and then also the psychological access, making sure that they have the right education to vote. So, for example, there is this really cool campaign from MTV that we're partnering with them and the Campus Vote Project called, and the Alliance for Youth Organizing called um, Plus One, the polls, where we're trying to think about innovative ways to get college voting sites, so voting, like polling locations on college sites. And so these are some like really cool activities that are happening in the space that just need more recognition and support because there are a lot of local leaders who are fighting for on-campus polling locations um, to make sure that when we ever get back to leaving our houses, that students don't lose their polling location. I think if you are also representing an organization or a nonprofit or a corporation or whatever who wants to work with college students around voting, thinking about how are you supporting the local communities, right? It's totally cool if you want to make your own programs, but think about how are you amplifying the space in general instead of detracting the resources from local communities who are there every single year. And so thinking through if you're going to commit to working with local communities, how are you committing their long term so they're not jaded from parachuters or people who just come in for presidential elections, but also thinking about like what is already existing there? How can we continue to base build? So like our friends at the Andrew Goodman Foundation, they work with a st small number of campuses because they know they can sustain those campuses and they get a campus champion or a faculty or staff member and then they get paid students leaders to do their voter engagement work there and so that they're building towards the long term and that they're building trust in that community. Now that's some really sound advice. All right, everyone on the sheet of people list got to pick a plus one. Tell us about your plus one, Daniela. 
Oh my gosh, I can talk about Danielle all the time. She actually, we actually had virtual dinner yesterday. And so she has been doing such amazing work. Me and her actually met during, I think, the first few weeks. Actually, I met her when I was at API Vote, but we only partnered together when I was at the SLSV Coalition. Um, and our first project together was something called Campus Takeover with National Voter Registration Day. So me and her worked together to like do this cool project where we're working specifically with campuses to ensure that their NVRD event is a success. And what I've seen from her, just from her proximity and then like being awe-inspired by fall because she like does all the communication work at the Alliance for Youth Organizing. She like is like the exemplar of what I believe, like what national communications like folks should be doing to support local communities. So they she like ensures that every every day she's like looking at all of her affiliate organizations who are on the ground local groups who do all of this great democratic work and she like makes sure to uplift it. She like highlights them in like weekly roundups and like she thinks through about like every time I talk to her about like a project we're doing, she's always like how can we engage our partners in a holistic way? How can we make sure we're uplifting local communities? And so when I think about how can we develop communication plans that like have local leaders in mind, she is like the person who I think about all the time. Oh, that is so great. I love it. You can tell you two have a really strong friendship. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, like we became such good friends. We were doing CrossFit together. So we like couldn't walk upstairs together. So when you, so when you butt scoot down a staircase together, I feel like your friendship has to stay. <laughs> All right, Catherine, this has been a really great conversation. I want to move us into our final question, our signature question that we ask all of our guests. What advice do you have for the brown girls out there listening saying, I want to be just like her? Fight for who you are, right? Like be authentically you, which is like the most corny thing that I can say, but I did my professional career here in DC. And for those who live in DC, it's a culture shock, right? In the sense that like, when I was in Florida, I could be authentically myself. But in DC, like people were very much like, you have to act a certain way, you should be a certain way, um, just so you could be respected. I was called the intern for the first years that I was a professional here in DC. And like, it's totally fine to be the intern, but it's also a level of respect that a lot of people of color, like women of color don't see, right? And so when people say that you need to adapt to a culture so you could fit in, I would say like, work somewhere else in which you are considered worth it and your voice and your identity is being valued. Because like, if you are conforming to be someone else, then who are you like going to be, right? So people care about you, people believe in you, you just have to find the right people who can support you in that journey and don't conform to like the, the essential like white man way of like, who you should be in the modern world or in the working world. That is such great advice. Catherine, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for all the work that you do. Yeah, of course. If you have a moment, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay up to date with us on the BGG website, www.thebgguide.com and on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The BG Guide. The BGG podcast is produced by Wonder Media Network. You can find them on Instagram at WMN.media and on Twitter at WMN Media. Until next time, brown girls. <laughs>